0: Chapter 5, Part 1 from the Sermon Series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Shirley Yu. My name is Shirley Yu. I am one of the pastors here at Metro Community Church as well. And it's an honor to be able to share God's truth today, especially as a Korean American female pastor. We are celebrating Women's History Month. Yes, today's the last week of the month, but we're going to continue to celebrate, yes? Uh, Pastor Kim Wright, Catrice Walker, Pastor Ansi has led the way this month in sharing God's story with their own story, which is so powerful. So we're going to continue because women have made an impact in the world throughout history. Right? and Jesus specifically points that out as well. So we're thankful that we could continue this history trend as women but also as men and as a church together. So today we're gonna continue in our sermon series of the Gospel of John, and we're gonna focus on the story where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. This isn't just a story about Jesus healing this crippled man. But it's a story for each and every single one of us. I bet there was a time when you have felt paralyzed. Maybe you've been felt paralyzed in your marriage, in your family life, as a single person. Maybe you felt paralyzed at work. We've all felt paralyzed in life. So the question is, how do we get out of it? How do we allow Jesus to heal our paralysis? This is what I wanna talk to you about today. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter five, verses one to 15. That's John chapter five, verses one to 15, and it'll be up on the screen as well. Let's read together God's word. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our God of truth, and boy, do we need more and more of your truth every day, every second. So I just pray that we would all have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that will respond to be transformed in your truth. We thank you, God. I ask that you would use me however way you need, Lord Jesus, on behalf of my sister's and brothers, that we may all together walk this life with you, giving you all the praise and all the glory, and be relieved, healed of paralysis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at today's passage in the NIV version, um, you'll notice that there's brackets in the passage. And that's because the ends of verse three and verse four are actually not present in the best ancient manuscripts. So um, scribes added those verses to explain verse seven and to show why so many people with disabilities were gathered there. So there actually isn't too much information out there about this pool, but to give you a little bit of a background, this passage takes place at a place called Bethesda, and here's a picture um, of Bethesda. So Bethesda means house of mercy because it was by the mercy of God that people would be healed. So some commentaries state that uh, this pool originated in Jerusalem from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So the walls that protected the city of Jerusalem, which is the holy city of the Israelites who are God's chosen people, those walls were actually torn down by the Babylonians. But in the time of the prophet Nehemiah, there was a high priest named Eliashib. And he began rebuilding these walls of Jerusalem that meant so much to his people. So he, in rebuilding it, he sanctified it with prayer. So God continued to bless this place to heal his people through his angels as they came to seek him for healing. So this place had a pool where an angel came and stirred the waters, which brought healing to the first person who entered the pool. Why would the angel only heal the first, at the first turn, which limits the number of people that can be healed at, the, at a time? One had to be desperate and had to act fast. One also needed the help of others. That clearly didn't happen for this paralyzed man. Hence, he was paralyzed for 38 years. Church, this story of this paralyzed man is closer to home than we think. We are all paralyzed at some level. We are paralyzed by fears, hurts, wounds that cripple us, whether it be for a day or maybe for 38 years or longer. But the good news is that Jesus can heal us of our paralysis. So the question is, how do we allow Jesus to heal our paralysis? First, know that Jesus sees you. In verse 6, it says that Jesus saw him. Jesus saw the paralyzed man, and he sees you too. He's the master of creation who created all of us. As stated in Psalm 139, no matter how joyful or painful the fact is that he created us in our mother's womb. Still, the fact is, he created you. Would our God create someone only to leave them in the dust? Our hurts and our wounds would tell us yes. But that's not the truth. The truth in the, is in the Bible countless times to combat that lie. But specifically in Deuteronomy chapter 31 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Sisters and brothers, do not let anyone or anything lie to you that Jesus does not see you. He does and he wants you to see him too. That's the first step in being healed. Take the time to sit in silence before God and look for him. You must have that encounter with Jesus personally and directly for yourself. If you give him that time and space, he will show up. It might take a little bit of time, but he will show up. We have to get used to We have to get ourselves in that space. If you don't know how to get there, it's okay. There's no shame in that. We all need some help. Right? We as your pastors and leaders of your church are here, and your countless sisters and brothers of faith are all here so we can help each other get there. To know that Jesus sees you. Mother Teresa once said, we all must take the time to be silent and to contemplate, especially those who live in big cities like London and New York, and I'll add in New Jersey, where everything moves so fast. I always begin my prayer in silence, for it is in the silence of the heart that God speaks. God is the friend of silence. We need to listen to God because it's not what we say, but what he says to us and through us that matters. Prayer feeds the soul. As blood is to the body, prayer is to the soul. And it brings you closer to God. It also gives you a clean and pure heart. A clean heart can see God, can speak to God, and can see the love of God in others. I have come to discover that I still struggle to feel unseen and feeling unseen and feeling unworthy. Ever since I was little, it was all about my parents with their dysfunctional marriage and my sisters going through their teen phase of rebellion. When my parents fought, I was emotionally wrecked as a child. It was hard to see them fight the way they did. But they were too deep in their own brokenness to notice my emotional hurts as their child. So my child brain told me, your fears and need to feel emotionally safe don't matter. When my sisters, in their teen phase, would sneak out of the house in the middle of the night or sneak my, car, my parents' car out, I was so scared. You know, unfortunately, I've seen my father beat my sisters when they got caught cutting school. So I felt emotionally and mentally unsafe when my sisters were doing that. And that too translated in my mind as I don't matter. So I realized that I did not feel safe in my own home growing up with my deepest emotions of pain that made me feel emotionally unsafe. But when I was seen, and validated for was being the happy-go-lucky girl, happy-go-lucky daughter, happy-go-lucky sister in our home in the midst of tension between my parents and my sisters. I was the peacemaker. So how would my life turn out? The narrative in my head was everyone matters except for me, but that's not true. When I came to know Jesus personally when I was in high school, I have thankfully come to know that Jesus sees me. It's been a process. Over the years, I needed many times of prayer by myself, sitting in silence to let him show me that he sees me with loving, compassionate kindness. It did take me a while to actually see his face. I actually needed uh, some prayer from a spiritual director who guided me at first. And to be honest, in that first time, I couldn't even bring my head up in my vision of trying to see Jesus. And I realized that later on, that was because of my shame. But once I worked through and shed that shame, I was able to look up at him and see him. And you know what I found? I found that he had a big smile on his face. He wasn't disappointed in me. I didn't have anything to be ashamed of. He was there with his arms wide open, ready to hold me, ready to pick me up, ready to even dance with me. He was ready to hold me just the way I needed, especially because I wasn't held that way as a child. I also did my own work in reading the Bible a lot, discovering a lot of passages of God's passionate love for me. I also worked through books like Soul Care, Boundaries, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which served as great tools to help me know that He sees me and that I can see Him. Sisters and brothers, no matter what you have gone through, no matter how deep you have buried things, you can't escape it. Because it comes out in different parts of your life, especially in your inner life. And it's going to leak out sooner or later. And it affects those around you, starting with those closest to you, like your family. So be desperate, church, and act fast. Get to the pool for healing. Start with you, because Jesus sees you. Second, learn more about ourselves by learning more about Jesus. In the latter part of verse six, Jesus asked the paralyzed man, do you want to get well? Jesus asks great questions, and it's not because he doesn't know, right? He knows the answers. There's always a purpose behind his questions. In the book of John, John specifically points out that Jesus is the word who has become flesh, meaning he's God, right? So he knows all, and he's known that this man has been paralyzed for 38 years. Yet he intentionally asks him the question personally. There was a lot of people there, a lot of people there. But he specifically went to him personally and asked him, Do you want to get well? Have you ever heard Jesus ask you that question? If you haven't heard him yet, hear it very clearly today. He is asking you now, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? What are you waiting for? Don't let these hurts of your past or current circumstances keep you down, sick, laden on a mat, paralyzed like this man for 38 years. Because are you happy there? Let's be honest with ourselves. We're not. You can't be. The God of good news is telling us to rise up off that mat. I pray that you'd respond to this question that he has for you today. That you don't waste time because it's destroying you. Whether you wanna face it or not, it's destroying you. As well as the loved ones in your life. Family, friends, and even strangers because you're living in woundedness and hurt people hurt people. As I shared earlier from my own childhood, if you have children, you could be hurting your children without even knowing it. So learn more about yourself. Take yourself there, especially where the wounds are, and learn more about Jesus and his healing for you in those areas. If it's difficult for you to take that first step, seek others. Seek a counselor, a pastor, a soulmate, spiritual director, accountability partner. I know I would not be where I am today without all of these people in my life. So this brings us to our third and final point. Seek support from others. In verse 7, the paralyzed man replied to Jesus, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So the problem is that no one helped him. If anything, others just kept jumping ahead of him. Did you ever wonder why in verse 6 it says that Jesus learned that he had been in this condition for a long time? So Jesus, as we said before, knows everything, right? But he put himself in that situation so that his disciples can tell him about this paralyzed man. He wanted the disciples to acknowledge him themselves. They've obviously known about him for at least some time, but they didn't do anything for him. And who knows what the circumstances were, right? But Jesus wanted his disciples to notice him. How many times have we passed by someone, even in our own home, and saw with our eyes that they were hurt, wounded, or maimed? When we see their brokenness, they're clearly struggling with that. So I'm not even talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that in in ourselves, let alone for someone else. But that's why we have to start with me. Let Jesus see you and answer that question with, yes, I want to be well. I want to get rid of this load that's been so heavy for me for years, weighing me down, especially in my relationships with people. And church, instead of just seeing and walking by, Let's see people, let's see the people with what they're going through beyond the outside. To help this paralyzed man get to the pool to be healed, let's help each other. We need to be the church that will see people and say hello, right? It's easy to just kind of walk by real quickly, but actually stop and say hello and ask, how are you really doing? Whenever people ask me that question, I'm always like, "Oop," you know? But then I realize, gosh, I felt really seen by that person. They ministered to me. We can do that, church. Go deep. And then we point them to Jesus. Pray together, seeing Jesus together and allowing Jesus together to tell us, ask us, do you want to get well? And then together say yes and help each other. Life is too hard to go alone. That's why Pastor Peter is always talking about soulmates. And we're always talking about doing life together in community. You know, recently in our Women's Bible Study community group, um, there was a night when we, after we did the study of the Word, we were praying for each other. And in our time as we were praying, um, my co-leader was encouraging all the ladies to just be silent and allow God to speak to them whatever they want to hear or see or whatever and just share it if they feel compelled to do so. So when it came around and it was my turn to be prayed for, one of the sisters was like, I don't know why, but I keep hearing the words shrimpy Shirley, shrimpy Shirley. So to give you a little bit of background, um, when we started the group, we had done introductions and in the introductions, I had asked everybody to share their uh, fir- their name with an adjective that starts with the letter of their first name. So I had shared shrimpy Shirley because that was a nickname that I got I received when I was younger by my classmates because I'm small, right so she kept hearing shrimpy, shirley, shrimpy, shirley. And she was saying, I feel like God wants you to know that you're not small, that you're big. And God sees you as big. When she said that, like it hit something in me, and I broke down. I just broke down. And I realized that it's this battle that I still have of me feeling small, feeling unworthy, feeling unseen. He spoke to me in this time of prayer through that sister. I was so thankful that she listened to God and that she shared it with me. I see some of our Bible side ladies just want to do a little shout out. <laughs> Church, we can do this together for each other. We have to be the living body of Christ for each other. We can pick up our mat and walk away from these things that's been holding us down for so long. The very next instance after Jesus asked the paralyzed man if he wants to be well, though his response wasn't direct and kind of went around explaining why he was still the way he is, Jesus still said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus didn't wait and wouldn't tolerate blame or defeat. He is righteous and of justice. He set the man free right away, as soon as the man responded to Jesus. So what happened? The man was cured at once. Jesus wants to heal you, will you let him? Or will you give your hurts more power over your life than Jesus? I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's not easy. I acknowledge the challenge, and we're all going to hit opposition. Like this paralyzed man, right? He's all healed, all excited, and whatever. And Jewish leaders, the leaders who's supposed to lead him to God, didn't even notice that he was healed. They just noticed and condemned him for breaking the rule on the Sabbath. Really? (laughs) But sometimes we do that too. What is your focus? Are you focused on the rules or on the person? They completely miss the mark. Only knowing God with their mind and not their heart. Only living for God with their bodies, but not their inner lives personally. And if anything, criticize Jesus himself for healing the man on the Sabbath, breaking their rules. So Jesus was not exempt from critics, so neither will we. But Jesus knew his identity as the living Christ, as the Savior, and released the power within him to heal this man anyway. As believers, church, may we know our identity in Jesus and have his power within us and release that power. In Philippians 3, 10 to 11, the Apostle Paul talks about the power of his resurrection because he's given us that power. He did not die for us on the cross and stay dead. He rose from the dead, and he didn't just do that right for himself. He did that for all of us. Don't hold that power back, sisters and brothers. Release that power for yourself and for those around you. And this isn't just for us as pastors or leaders of the church. This is for all of us, all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 14, it says, Later Jesus found them at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Jesus not only healed him of his physical ailments, but he also healed him of the ailments of his spirits with his sins. The sin here is focusing more on his ailments than on Jesus. What sins do you need to be healed and freed of? What ailment do you have that you've had for 38 years or more, or however old you are, that has become bigger in your life than Jesus. This paralyzed man was like this since childhood. Something hurt him since his childhood and he has lived suffering all these years. What happened to you in your childhood that you're still suffering from? In the show called The Chosen, They show the paralyzed man as being paralyzed from the waist down. And when he was at the pool, he was crawling. Crawling desperately to get healed. Will you crawl to Jesus? Even if it takes 38 years, hopefully it won't. But please crawl. Meet Jesus. I've had to crawl through my feeling of being unworthy for 47 years. Yep, I just revealed my age. (laughs) It started in my childhood, but has carried me into adulthood. You see, my home life and my church life was different. I've always thrived in my church life. Um, Growing up, um, there's something in Korean called which is like, You know, when you do motions to songs. So I did that um, particularly at one particular church event. And ever since I did that, I got so much praise for doing that. Oh my goodness, she was so good, and whatever, whatever. And so my parents loved it too, because I'm their daughter, and they were so proud of me, right? So I thrived in church life. In church, I felt seen and I was praised. But I did not thrive in my home. Unfortunately, I married a man just like my father. I saw some similarities and people pointed it out to me, but I was like, no, no, he's much better. He listens to me and works on change when I bring it up. That only lasted our dating life. Once we got married, it was a different story. It was a tough 16 years of marriage. I've left him numerous times during those 16 years after destructive fights, and I finally came around to realize that I want the verbal and the emotional abuse out of his own brokenness that was affecting me to stop. I couldn't take it anymore. It has been affecting me for years, breaking my spirit, but the effects on my kids started to show too. So after praying through things for years, processing and grieving, and seeking counsel by my counselor and mentor and trusted sisters and brothers of faith, I finally heard from God, it's time. I wasn't sure at first, so I just kept it in mind and kept praying through it. And then another pastor, who was a visiting pastor, was praying for me in a personal time. And he said the same words, it's time. And I just broke down. That took some more time for me to process and work through things with Jesus. After realizing that I needed space for healing, I had finally made the decision to ask for a separation. He gave me a hard time about it at first, but finally agreed to leave thanks to the help of our pastoral staff. It was really hard talking about it to our kids. After being separated for three years, the divorce was finalized just last summer. Living as a divorced single mom has been very difficult. Add on being a pastor, and it makes it that much more colorful for me and my kids. I've been desperately crawling to Jesus like the paralyzed man. And I've needed other people to help me to get to the pool, plenty of days, because there were days when I just couldn't get there by myself. For too long, I didn't feel worthy. And to be honest, I still struggle to advocate for myself sometimes, especially when there are people with strong opinions and personalities around me. I would feel the adverse reaction to them but I would let it slide. I would just deal with it in my own ways, and a lot of times they were unhealthy. I would let it out by driving aggressively and cursing people out on the road. (laughs) I would let out my anger on my kids sometimes, and I would even let the anger out on a stranger who wronged me at the supermarket. But after doing that for so long, I've become resentful. But I was mainly resentful at myself. I kept condemning myself for letting people take advantage of me. And what does that do to me over time? I keep living out this lie that I'm not worthy, that it's okay for people to take advantage of me, but no more. No more. In the book Boundaries, I learned that I've been giving power to others over me. That I don't have to be reactive, because I hated the way I reacted to them. I hated the way I reacted to my ex-husband when we fought. I became this monster, and I hated it. But I learned in reading this book that I could be responsive, not reactive. Knowing my worth. I've been learning to advocate for myself. And therefore, I can encourage others to advocate for themselves too because I know what it's like. I am coming to the pool, even if I'm crawling, even if I'm bleeding on my hands and my knees from crawling. I'm crawling because I know that I need healing and that healing only comes from Jesus. Jesus sees me. I've been learning more and more about myself while learning more about Jesus. Answering his questions for me along the way on this healing journey and seeking others for help along the way. If I've ever been real in my relationship with Jesus, it's been through this. There was a time when I couldn't sing that song, You're a Good, Good Father. I was angry. I was pissed off. Why, God, why? But after opening myself up to him, receiving a lot of prayer and hearing his truth over me that I am worthy, that he's died for me, he did know me when he was hanging upon that cross, not just for everybody else, but also for me. And he redeems me So I keep experiencing him in this way over and over again that he sees me and that he helps me learn and process things by myself and with others. Today I'm able to share my story with more and more women who are also finding their voices as they feel seen by Jesus and learn from him as they learn about themselves too and find their worth for themselves and in community with others. While raising my teen children has been kicking me in the rear. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, no one can ever be prepared to raise teens, uh, it's so hard. And on top of that, through the divorce, oof. Literally kicking me in both rears, right? <laughs> so while raising my teen children um, and processing the effects of the divorce has still been hard. I still go through waves of grieving. My kids and I have gotten closer to each other with God's grace and love and prayer, being delivered from shame and rage, being more open with each other, with healthier communication. Still a work in progress, but we're on that road. And we talk more now than we ever had before. We even got a dog Toby, and here's a picture of my family with my dog, (laughs) and my dog Toby, he's been a bonding agent of God's love, a complete godsend for me and my kids too, where we spend a lot of time, we call it Toby time, so we always get together right after school when we first come in and before we go to bed, just having that bonding time as a family, and it's so healing, it's so beautiful. God's been healing us in our home. Sisters and brothers, we've all been through dark times. If you don't think so, just think about anything you're unhappy with and it'll start there. But it comes from somewhere. Will you take yourself there? Yes, it's painful, but you can't get to the other side and you can't get healing unless you take yourself there. And don't go alone. You can't do it alone. Honestly share with a trusted person of faith about your ailment, whether it be emotional, mental, spiritual, or physical, because you're worth healing. Receive the much-needed help and let others take you to the pool. So you're not suffering from this ailment for 38 years or more. And in the end, let's get up. Get up off that mat and dance together. And then we give God all the glory. Know that Jesus sees you. Learn more about yourself as you learn more about Jesus and seek support from others. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are the God of the universe. You are the all-powerful, almighty God. Yet, you are so personal. We thank you, God, for reminding us that you see us. Help us to see you and to see ourselves in you, God. To shed all the things that tried to bring us down, Lord, from however young we were and have been affected by. That God, we would take those steps. We would get on our hands and knees and we would crawl to you, Jesus that we will crawl to you with our hurts and our pains. All of our wounds, Jesus, that you want to heal, that you ask us, do you want to be well? Do you want to get well? And our answer, Jesus, is yes. Yes, I want to be well I don't want to live feeling unworthy anymore I do not want to live feeling unseen anymore because that's a lie that's a lie from the devil and we proclaim that off of us in Jesus name and proclaim your truth that you are our mighty God who is our healer and who sets us free who sets us free that we may live for you personally in our homes, but also for all those that you place in our lives and our community, God. Jesus, I pray that my sisters and brothers would be bold, that they would know that they're worth it to take this step and that they would let nothing get in their way of finding this healing for you anymore. That God, they all, all of us together would join hands and find healing in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are indeed our healer, that you are our Lord and Savior, God. Thank you for the pool of healing. Thank you for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.